0: Every lap in under a minute. Every move made to matter. Every decision impacting the outcome of the race. Supercars in Perth. Every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint. May 17 to 19. Book now at Ticketek. Supercars. Unforgettable.
1: Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online thanks to Castrol's Rejo to oil tool. Simply type in your Jo, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rejo, the number 2, and oil and find out. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hey everybody, welcome along. Great to have you with me. It is the V8 Salute podcast. I am Aaron Noonan and you are listening to part one of my podcast with Tony Delberto. Now, Tony is a V8 Supercar Development Series winner, TCR Australia Series winner. Tony and his family love motorsport. He's been racing the best part of 30 years now there's been highs and lows along the way but i think one of the big things you'll pick up from this chat is how going racing as a family and doing it yourself can put you in great stead for the next part of your motorsport and business career there was a lot to learn and i'm sure there was a lot of things that he might have changed from along the way but nevertheless it's a unique interesting journey he's been racing supercars for 20 years it's amazing to think for 20 years. He's not even 40 yet. He hasn't had his 40th birthday. In fact, this year is the 20th anniversary of when he first appeared in the development series at the wheel of one of John Faulkner's Young Lions Commodores. That was back in 2003 when he was 17 years of age. Now, he opens up about a range of topics on our podcast, and this is part one of a two-part chat. So let's barrel into it. Buckle up. It's time to start part one Tony Delberto on the V8 Sleuth Podcast. Tony Delberto, this will not hurt a bit. You look a little edgy coming into the V8 Sleuth <laughs> office today. Uh, welcome along. Great to have you on the pod. I can't believe it's been nearly 300 episodes and we've not managed to convince you to sit in that chair. How has this, this taken so long?
2: Well, I'm not sure to be honest. You're either running out of people to have on the pod. Never, never. <laughs> or just my time has come up and it, it's an absolute uh, privilege to be here. Oh, noon. Thank you very much. It. Stop it. Um, you know, I've been on a lot of pods. You have, true. And I've had my own pod for a little bit too with true. our good friend Grant, Grant Rowley. Um, but this is a privilege. Thank you.
1: Well, have you listened to the V8 Sleuth podcast? Then? 100%. Okay, favourite episode? Not the Dale Woodward.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of feedback he, from that one.
1: He's going to pop up a little later in this episode, <laughs> I reckon, just quietly. Um, Looking at your racing career, there's so much to talk about for a bloke who hasn't hit 40. Yet. You're still on the good side of four of zero. Lots of different cars, lots of different racing yep. because you started so young and, and, and that's basically 20 years ago from a V8 supercar perspective. Yeah. But clearly there's a lot of people who go karting and motocross and stuff and if you say who's to blame for this, it's dad. And I've got to say that's the case with you pretty much, isn't it? 100%. Uh, you know, my dad got me involved when I was very young and
2: he had a motorsport career as well, not so much driving but more – on the mechanical side. Um, his brothers did a lot of the same thing. Some did a little bit of driving as well. So as a family, we've always been involved in motorsport. Um, my dad chased the dream of, of being a race car mechanic. Um, he did a lot of stuff here in Australia with Frank Gardner in. Um, in that hotted up uh, the Corvette, yeah, the Corvette, yep, yeah, yeah, yep, the, which was sort
1: of a sports sedan, but more like an open wheeler, <laughs> just with a body. It was Formula Five Thousand with a Corvette exactly. body over the top of it. That yeah. it was basically the car that changed the rules of sports sedan. He it was, changed a lot of rules. the outlawed. He think-
2: changed. <laughs> they did a lot of winning, uh, and Dad, uh, you know, learned a lot from Frank. Um, he was a hard boss, apparently, um, but they did, uh, you know, it was a great experience for him. And then it got to a stage where, you know, I think Dad was around thirty. And he had that opportunity to keep going with motorsport or to get involved in the family business and settle down, have a family, all that sort of stuff. So he decided to do that. Uh, And that's where, um, you know, obviously I was born and he got into a little bit of go-karting just to sort of uh, whet the appetite for me. And I was about seven years old at the time and he was doing some driving and I was just sort of doing a bit of learning, a bit of tinkering really. And it got to the stage where, I'd done a few races, maybe a year or so, but I wasn't really improving at all. And Dad was trying to race, trying to build his own business. Uh, you With, know, What
1: was the business? What was he doing?
2: So our, our family business has, has always been in automotive. So we've had car dealerships. Um, but our main business, Belmont Nominees, was spray painting. So we looked after HSV in the heyday. Um, Tickford, we did stuff for Holden. It was all automotive paintwork, All new stuff as well, all OE. And, you know, at, at one stage there, you know, we had 120 staff working around the clock, you know, it was massive. Um, so there's a huge work commitment there for dad, um, you know, trying to build this business with his brothers. And then, you know, to take me go-karting every weekend as well was pretty difficult. So he stopped racing himself, um, which I think he was happy to do, and just look after looked after my racing. And from that moment, I just progressed, you know, a huge amount because that focus was on me. And it was one less thing for dad to do his own racing and and put some focus onto my stuff. So, um, but, yeah, that was when I was about eight years old. So we travelled all around the country, did all the national, state championships, everything you can think of as a family. You know, I never got placed into a team. We always did our own preparation. and
1: It's a theme that followed through later on. Yeah,
2: exactly. And and I think that's been a little bit of a family thing. You know, we've always wanted to try and do our own thing um, because I suppose – the theory was we've, we had more control over what we were doing, whether it worked or not, you know, probably over the years, we've learned a few things, but, um, that's how we did it in go-karting. And back then though, you could do that in karting, you know, mm. it was, you know, uh, you know, dad and son or daughter going car racing or going k- karting and you can still get really good results. It's probably a little bit different these days. You know, you see the big teams that people get involved in, unless you're in one of those big, uh, you know, teams, you're probably not going to get the results you should, so yeah, we we did karting until I was uh, fifteen, and then at that stage, then we thought, well, you know, what are we going to keep going with this, or what are we going to do? And we sort of made the call to you know progress, and then I went into into Formula Ford after that.
1: And you didn't just go into any Formula Ford, if no. my memory serves, and that's pretty much where I first came across you, I reckon. Because it, am I right in remembering your first Formula Ford was a Magal? Which was the French chassis it wasn't yep. quite the dominant chassis by that stage, but it had done a bit of winning with Greg Ritter and Luke Youlden. But your first Formula Ford was none other than Jamie Winkup's <laughs> former car, which hadn't that been someone else's before that? Was it Ritter's before that? I think from memory. Uh,
2: I think I think Youlden definitely drove it. I think so. It's he the only one he won the championship in. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, and then Jamie had it, and he finished third.
1: You know, one behind the two wheels. Exactly. Daniel Power. Yep.
2: And then Jamie went and joined Sonic. That was, to
1: drive Will's old car. Yeah, yep. so that was the
2: team to be with, um, and I, I, I vividly remember going to look at this car. So I'm in the back of the dad's car with uh, his, his brother Ferdy, in the in the front. They're talking about what we're going to go and do. We're going to look at Jamie Wincup's race car, and you know what do we think and the price and all this sort of thing. We got down there to have a look at it, and the car was absolutely immaculate. You know the preparation of that. Uh, Formula Ford was just astonishing it, to every last little detail. Um, and I suppose the fact that, you know, Jamie had driven as well, um, Luke Yildon, we we know their family, so we've got a relationship there. So we could get a little bit of feedback from them, get a little bit of help as well early on. And as soon as we walked in and saw that car, we were like, "Yeah, we're going to buy that. We're going to – Yep, done. It, it was really not a big negotiation. Um, and we had a relationship with the Wing Cups as well through karting so we sort of had that trust you know Mm. like if if that car was good enough for jamie and um you know the preparation was really high because that's what they would have done for you know for jamie and his racing then you know it's probably a very good car for me to start my racing career in formula ford so we did that and again we did it as a family we got a truck you know we we were learning how to change ratios and (laughs) that's probably one of the biggest things noon's about doing it as a family not only did i have to learn how to drive the, the car but the family had to work out how to set this thing up how mm. to maintain it how to get the best out of it whereas if you go to a team you just sort of worry about your driving side of things that's so a little of bit of a different thing
1: don't you've paid for the rest of it to be done exactly yeah, yeah.
2: but uh that that was a fantastic car do
1: you remember first dri- like, so that's your first actual taste of a race car at yep. all or did you had a little go at something before that
2: not that I remember. Um, I remember one of my first days. I think was at Winton, you know? and then um, my next test day was at Calder, and Calder, as we know, is a really long straight. Mm,
0: really, really still really long. It is actually.
2: Yeah. And I remember uh, dad and his brothers because everyone used to go. All the family, probably my for my, a
1: test my, day. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, my mum,
2: my auntie, oh, everyone geez, was the there making sandwiches there. and <laughs> all the whole thing. <laughs> And I remember barreling down the straight and I got sort of halfway where everyone would sort of hang out, you know, in, in pit lane there. And as you know, the straight's another half again sort of thing. And I backed out of the throttle because I thought, where where is this corner? Like <laughs> it must be coming up real soon. And, uh, I, you know, Formula Ford I felt was just fantastic to get into out of carts. It was mm. so different but it taught you so many things, you know, healing and towing. Uh, obviously, learning all the circuits, a car moving around heaps as well. Because from a go kart, where you've got heaps of grip, mm. and then to jump into something like that, where it has to move around to be fast, I think it's really good for your, you know, driver skill and progression as a racing driver. Um, but we didn't do Formula Ford for a huge amount of time. We,
1: you know, we did. You were in and out pretty quick. Yeah,
2: we were. I mean, we did state series, and so this
1: is two thousand and well, two. Yeah, it sounds about right.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. two thousand two. So I did state series and I think we finished third that year. Uh, Daniel Reinhardt was in there. Um, who else was I can't remember who was who was winning. It was a while ago. It was a long time ago. But, uh, yeah, it, there was some pretty good competition, but it was, you know, state series racing as well. So it was a really good sort of, you know, learning um, period for me. And then we we did a couple of national rounds, just like the local ones. Like I think we did Winton that year. Um, you know, you got... Will Power, Will Davison, all these guys um, out the front, Jamie obviously, um, they were just so fast, just mm. crazy fast.
1: It's a whole other league. Yeah,
2: exactly. So you, you're going pretty and, and good no, in state series. What are
1: you, 16 at this stage?
2: 16, yeah. 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 Um, so I can tell you that the car was driving me, that's for <laughs> sure.
1: <laughs> but then, as you said and you alluded to before, it was a short, sharp, it was a short innings in Formula Ford, a couple yep. of, couple of, uh, uh, face a few deliveries and then you were, you were off. Yeah. So was that that you were going to go, from my memory, you were going to do Formula Ford National Series, but then the V8 thing yep. kind of popped up. So why the, was it kind of the, we want to go there anyway. So let's just go there early and get in, jump in the deep end and, and go. <clears throat>
2: yeah. I mean, I think probably we were a little bit impatient and we saw, you know, the, the, Shiny lights and the the stars and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, the plan was to do national Formula Ford um, in 03. Is that right? 03? Mm, yeah. Yep. Yep. And then uh, we got a call from Holden Young Lions,
1: which by that stage was John Faulkner. Yeah, it was John Faulkner. Yeah. So
2: he'd just taken over that. And Holden Young Lions, obviously, back in the day, Todd Kelly, Rick Kelly, Nosky, all these really mm, amazing bugs. bugs. Yep. Like, legendary drivers in Mm. our sport that I would have looked up to um, at that age. And um, our family has always had a Holden connection. Um, So we've had Holden dealerships in the past, obviously the relationship with HSV with all our business stuff. And then to get, you know, a call up from what was, you know, effectively uh, the factory Holden team sort of thing um, to come and join our Holden Young Lions, we just jumped at it like just headfirst, jumped at it, saw that, you know, thought that this was going to be an amazing opportunity for my career. Oh, my my God, I've been chosen out of all these people. Um, So, you know, we jumped at the opportunity. And not saying that it was a bad thing, um, but looking back on it now, I was too young. I I was way too young. And as I was saying before about the car driving me, that was very much the case at, you know, 17 years old driving a supercar. Uh, all this horsepower, such a big car. I, I didn't even have my license um, to drive on the road, mm. so I, I just wasn't ready for it. I hadn't done enough. Did you talk yourself into
1: though. it as a family to go? No, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Well, I, I didn't at the time. I didn't even think like that. Mm. I just jumped in. and I thought, you know, um, it's a great opportunity. They must see something in me. You know, I, I'm going to go for it. I, I can't even remember th- um, second guessing it. It was just such a cool opportunity. I was like, yeah, we're doing it. Let's go. Um, but it probably didn't – obviously didn't turn out the way we thought it was going to. So, you know, John Faulkner took over the team and we used his old cars.
1: Because he had been in the championship series prior to that. It yes. had stepped out and there was franchise shit going on everywhere with – because everyone wanted his – everyone wanted level ones. Yeah. So – and he had one. So – that's where sort of his tie into TWR came, and there was all sorts of wheeling and dealing that was yeah, going on at the time. And, and, they, and, they, and I think from memory, the original plan it was un, it was called the HRT Young Guns yeah. originally, and then the Holding Young Lion label sort of returned. But they were like those red and black, yeah, um, silver, silver Commodores yeah. that Dale Breed started yeah. with. Yeah. Um, and then because weren't they based in Queensland? Because yeah. John's been in Queensland since basically back then, and they were physically in. Queensland, they moved them to Melbourne, I think, the next year. but um, it, So it wasn't the young lions of Clayton. No. And of, 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 you know, the, the 9900 sort of yeah, period that, or 97. Yeah, but was,
2: that was, that's what was promised. So yeah. th- the idea was we are going to start, get going in John's cars and then we were going to get upgraded to HRT cars, HRT equipment, engines, the whole lot. So it was going to get filtered down from the main teams.
1: So based on that, the theory of going and doing it is – better it, it was it, a huge opportunity
2: yeah, huge yeah. opportunity you know and even you know, as you mentioned dale breed to have someone like that um to learn off you know was just i thought was a great opportunity as well um but it just yeah it didn't end up that way and yeah it was short-lived with with john and that whole program i remember my first test day in a supercar though uh, up at morgan park morgan park yeah oh get into this what <laughs> <laughs>
1: really? So I don't think we could get on a, Oh, because you, he's based in Queensland.
2: Based in Queensland. And but why well, well, couldn't you run
1: at Ipswich? I, so there was I, something going on there.
2: I can't remember exactly, but we basically just did like a launch day and I got to do a few laps before the first round or my first round. Yeah, because you didn't start at the no. start of the
1: season. You missed the first one or two, I think, if I remember memory.
2: Yeah, so my first one was at Eastern Creek. Mm. Um, but I remember we put the ride seat in the car and John came as a passenger with me. So I'm driving his car my first day at Morgan Park, which is a really tight, twisty track. He went out to start with, showed me how to do it. Then I hopped in, was just like,
1: you know. Showed he, him how not to do it. Well, probably to start <laughs> with, that's for sure. I
2: He... He looked very nervous from the passenger seat. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was, you know, leaning across to grab the wheel or to, you know, brace himself. He was he, he a very like good driving passenger. Driving Instructor 101. Yeah. He
1: was, and w- was he hard on the darts when he got back? Absolutely yeah. Was, yeah, that, yeah. Sounds right. that sounds all right, yeah.
2: <laughs> but I do remember coming onto the straight at Morgan Park and you're in second gear and you go second to third. And this is H-Pattern. H-Pattern, H-pattern gearbox, mm-hmm. yeah. So most... Supercar drivers now wouldn't have a clue what that nah, is. No clue. That's how long I've been around. <laughs> and we've come onto the straight, and I've gone to go second or third, and I've
1: wrong slotted across the gate. Across second the gate, cross up third. But you're you still didn't cornering. You? You're still cornering. Okay, this is an excuse already. Right, so you're here. going through a right hand corner. No excuse.
2: You're cornering.
1: Is that still an excuse? And I've wrong You've slotted. Gone first, I've gone bang you? into first. Oh.
2: And before I even realised what had happened. John has slammed this thing out of gear, like he felt it before it even He's like, what, registered. Felt it before oh, it yeah, it registered. absolutely. So it was a, it was a massive over rev, and he wasn't too happy about it. But I suppose they're, they're the things that you sort of learn being a young guy. I mean, in a Formula Ford, you're shifting gears on the right hand side, mm. so I'd never actually done it with my <laughs> left hand. Seriously, so there's a lot to take in, but I absolutely love driving a supercar. Like it was just the coolest thing ever, mm. you know. I just thought I'd absolutely won the won the lotto, you know. They're just a fantastic car.
1: So you debuted at Eastern Creek as a 17-year-old. This is back in the days of it being the Conica V8 Supercar Series. So it doesn't work out. You do the series um, and then you go and swap course for the next year because you went and drove – for Marty Brandt's team, the independent race cars. The car that Port Umbrella used to win the title in 02 uh, with wins on it. Mark Porter had run it in 03 and then you ran it in 04, run out of of Marty's shop. So you haven't quite gone the path of let's do it ourselves here, but you've gone and there was a tie-in with Marty that came up a bit later and and that stuff. But um, were you starting to feel like, and one of the things I think with you looking back over your time is, You've been in a great position to be able to put together a lot of these deals and leverage your business and, mm. and your automotive connection and knowledge and put it all together and make it keep working. But at this stage you haven't gone the whole we're going to do it ourselves" no. pathway. But was there a temptation to do that <laughs> then or was it the independent race casting that then led yeah. to what eventually happened?
2: I, I don't think at that stage, I mean, there, there might have been thoughts in Dad's head, that's what we wanted to do, Um but at that stage there, we felt the Marty Brand opportunity was more like a family-run team. Mm, mm. You know, Marty's a great guy. Um, it's a very much a family affair. He's, his preparation is amazing. And, again, you know, went to look at the race car, went and saw the team, and it was like, wow, th- he does a really nice job. But no no uh, glitz and glam or anything like that, which is what Holden Young Lions was. You know, there was more or supposed to be. Yeah, well, there was more um, prestige around being part of the team rather than effort going into the cars, mm. whereas it, it was the opposite with Marty. Um, so that, you know, very solid car. We, we progressed. I learned a lot, had really good engineer there as well. Um, and the, the, like I said, the team preparation was fantastic. After that, though, we sort of got to the stage where we were making a call that we wanted to try and do it ourselves. And I think we've probably learnt enough, and I'd done enough miles now to sort of have a bit of experience, and it's probably just the right time to make that jump. And again, you know, we have that Holden connection, so we we hit up Walkinshaw, and this was the one of the first times that actually ever sold one of their race cars to a customer. They just went into it.
1: It's pretty rare. Yeah, I think they'd done. The dude had got one. Earlier, there was the Romano deal previously, but that was really geared around franchises yeah. again because they were so crucial. But selling a car as a customer car straight out—I think Mark Poole had the one, the um, John Deere car at one point too. But by and large, they, they did a little bit here and there, but it was always for a reason. There, yeah. there were, it, was, it wasn't – clearly they needed cash to come back into the joint, but they were yeah, selling that many T-shirts really. over the journey. That's right. It didn't matter that much. But That's right. I mean, yeah. you, you would have had to twist some arms to be able to – well, you leave it a good car out of the place. I mean, you leave it the Bathurst-winning yeah. Spider-Man 2004 yeah. car out of the place for But I think a lot of that in. came
2: from the relationships that we'd built up in the business. Mm. They obviously trusted us. Um and I, I suppose they they opened up their doors to us, and and they sold us a really good race car, good engines. We obviously paid for it, mm. you know, we're not hiding behind that. They didn't give it to us, mm. um, but they gave us all the information, all the data we needed, and away we went. Mm. Then we started to get podiums and started to actually, you know, make a bit of a, a name for ourselves and 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 forge a path in supercars and. We sort of so far down that track at that point that we just pressed on with it and, okay, this is what we're doing. We're going down this path. We're going to make it work. And we were able to get a lot more success doing that um, and that's why, you know, we kept doing it as a family. Mm.
1: One of the things I remember about 2005, you had a win but it wasn't a win. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah. At so Bathurst. Yeah. So – The Saturday race was affected by race. This was in the time when the development series for many years had been a Saturday afternoon single race, not part of the championship. But that that year it was. It was the first time. Race Friday, race Saturday. Saturday it rains. There's a whole – because, of course, you're not equipped for pit stops. So (laughs) I think they restarted. There was all sorts of stuff going. Long and the short of it was there's six laps done. They can it. It's a no race. It's a no result. You're in front. You win – but you don't win. <laughs> gutted. Got to be gutted. Young bloke, first year at Bathurst with your own team, with your family team, you're debuting in the 1000 for Tasman. I've had a win. I've had a win at <laughs> Bathurst and then I
2: think no. uh, the best part about that was my engineer at the time, John Bradino, who's, who's a good mate and we spent a lot of time going car racing together, and he poked his head in the door. I think it was at the start of the race and it looked like it was going to rain. And he said, uh, you know, it looks like a bit of rain. What do you want to do? And I'm like, what would you do? And he goes, mate, uh, just go for it. (laughs) Like we're going to leave these slicks on it and I know that you're going to get a result. Oh, geez, this
1: is confidence. Yeah, like he
2: was so confident in my ability and he's probably just blowing smoke (laughs) at my ass. It worked. Um, And he said, you know, I think we should leave the slicks on and it'll be fine, right? You've, You've got this. So we did. And I remember going across the top of the mountain the first, after the race had started and I had the, like a massive moment coming uh, through the tree as it sort of changed the direction there, just like a big slide off the kerb, caught it, managed to keep going. And um, I think Canto and Luffy had pitted for wets, so they were coming through the field and I could see them coming. But then the race was red
1: flag. <laughs> and you're thinking, yeah.
2: And I'm like, yes. I oh, won. We've won this race. No, I haven't. And then I didn't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, funny memory there because, uh, like I said, with that my engineer poking his head in the door, and he looked more scared than I did. <laughs> oh, you will not believe in anything he was
1: selling <laughs> you. He, was, he he was talking the talk, but and not still, he like
2: still he still talks about that today.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's 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 um, something that's flowed through. And that's the year that you debuted with Fabian, because everyone remembers you in more recent times driving with him for DJR and DJ yeah. Timpenski, But that's where it started. That was your first. Debut in the second Tasman Dodo car with Fabian, and you'd started at Sandown, and then of course Bathurst. So, from my memory, though, that thing was rooted <laughs> by the end of Bathurst. There was not a straight and panel; down. there was race tape on it everywhere. You blokes belted the crap out of that. Car. I'm not sure know, whose fault was it, or was it someone else that hit you blokes? What I just remember looking at photos recently before we had this chat, thinking that thing looks absolutely well, cactus.
2: It, it was sort of is is a good time then because. The main drivers would get paired, mm. and then the co-drivers had their own car. Mm. So you could do qualifying. You could mix it up.
1: Did you have it, to twist Tasman's arm to to get that deal to make that all happen, or did they come knocking? Or
2: no, that that was another relationship that we had with the team. Um, and I think at the time, our dealerships actually supplied a few cars for their drivers.
1: I think that's right. Yeah. yeah.
2: So that's how the that was sort of like the deal. We'll give you the seat for Bathurst, but we want a
1: deal. Yeah. And that, that was fine. Oh, that's racing. Yeah. That's business and motorsport. Yeah, and, and you
2: know what? Like I think a lot of people try and hide behind some of these deals that get done and, you know, whether the family paid or whatever. But that's that's motorsport. Mm. You know, whether your family help you get that opportunity or a sponsor does or invest or whatever, there's always a lot more to the story. And those opportunities are people just knocking on your door going, we want you to race a Bathurst in our car. We have no idea if you're capable, but – you know, we're going to give you the shot. They're just so rare. It barely ever and happens. The, the problem with motorsport, as you know, is you have to fund it for a period there so you can show what you can do before mm. you get picked up. Mm. So there's mm. always that period. So my first enduro was, was you know, a deal that we'd done. Um, but it was, it was really cool to join at the time because he'd he just, I think he'd won um, Career Cup at the time.
1: He was on the way to winning it. Yeah.
2: So he he yeah. was just like top of his game. We are both young, you know, both pushing like crazy. He so, had immaculate hair. Oh, he still he does. He still does. <laughs> Unbelievable. And those, those eyes. <laughs> um, but we didn't really know each other at all. And, you know, we, we spent a lot of time together, got to know each other. And there's a bit of competition there, you know, who was going to qualify the car, who was going to do this, who's going to be quicker.
1: You got to qualify, uh, didn't
2: you? I did at Bathurst, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Mm. You know um, why I
1: remember that? Why? Who was your PR guy that year? Oh, actually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. There you go. Great <laughs> to see I left an impression. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but this, the Sandown 500, right? So it rained. And the, the saving grace for myself and Fabian was that the other car, JR and Winkup, I think they finished second in that mm, race.
1: Third third, third, third at Sandown, second at Bathurst. So yeah. third, at
2: ba- third at Sandown. So they had a great race. So the team were absolutely pumped. Mm. They couldn't give a shit
1: about <laughs> your smouldering heap of shit in the
2: exactly. corner. Exactly. <laughs> so I think on like the second last lap or something, going down in turn two, um, it was wet and it's the slipperiest corners in the country. Turn two and three at Sandown. Like there's just no group in the in the dry, let alone the wet. So Fabs comes barreling down there, doesn't make the corner. Goes down the hill, makes contact with the fence. I don't think, I'm not even sure if we finished the race. Um, So that car was stuffed at Sandown. Then at Bathurst, we didn't really do a lot all day and it got caught up in the Ambrose Murphy crash. So they crashed coming out of turn two. So then it was all
1: a pile up behind them?
2: Yeah, big pile up. Fabs has tried to stop to try and slow down. Someone's rammed him. He's rammed the car in front of him. So both ends are just stuffed. (laughs) But again, Again, the other car had a great day.
1: And everyone just forgot about it. Didn't care it. <laughs> about us. So perfect. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online thanks to Castrol's Rejo to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Red Joe, the number two, and oil and find out. The point before about you've got to fund it somehow, there's you know there's deals, there's stuff like that, has it pissed you a bit over the journey that you've been labelled, oh, he's out there because he's dad and he's family and it's – that, or do you just after a time go, you know what, I can't change it, it is what it is, I'm just going to do my thing, or has it actually impacted you over the journey?
2: No, nah, it, it ha- really hasn't, to be honest, and like – it is definitely hard to go from paying, being a paying driver. To being paid. To being paid. Yeah. So, you know, later on in my career, I, I made that switch across and that's something that I'm really proud of because not every pay, paying driver gets to make that switch and be respected enough to actually get paid to do a job. So it hasn't affected me. Um, I think at the time when you're growing up, you probably have some doubts you know, that you're, you are only there because dad's funding it or family's funding it. But as I've gotten older, I, I've just realised that's just part of that journey in motorsport.
1: You're not the first and you no, won't be the last. That's and that's right. Yeah, there's of those things. I think
2: other people potentially do it uh, more discreetly. Yeah. You wouldn't yeah. know about it. Yeah. Or you'd you only know if you were in, within the inner sanctum, you know. Mm. Um, they might put a sponsor on the car that basically give them nothing but – and, and fund the rest, whereas we were sort of always promoting our own brands. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I remember Belmont so, being on your exactly, cars over the years. And, exactly. And so, there, there's stuff. probably, if I had my time again, you know, we'd probably maybe do that part of it a bit different. But looking back on it now, I don't hide behind it. Mm,
1: mm. 06, the momentum went away. Yeah. you got to, so everyone will remember that. For a couple of years there, you got cars from Walken Shores. Yep. So that first year in 05 was the 04 Spider-Man winning car, which you kept the stickers and all the you oh, kept yeah, all yeah. the bits out of it. So too. the
2: car arrived with panels that were dinted and it actually arrived was looking like a bit of a spidering mess. All those panels came off, put aside. Mm. We put new panels on the car to the, race. The originals. Exactly. Yeah. So my family Especially dad's brothers, very, very uh, sentimental. That sort of stuff.
1: Love it. Love the people who respect and understand history. Exactly. Because and when we put it away, because it'll be worth something. When that? we
2: sold the car with all the original stuff back, the engine, the whole lot, you can sort of name your price. So at the time. I'm guessing it was more than what you bought it for. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Mm. Uh, which with race cars, you don't do that very that's often. Pretty rare. So that's pretty rare. So that, that's why we're always a little bit strategic with what cars we're buying, hoping that when we sold them we'd We'd at least get our money back, mm.
1: and the same was the case for o six because your car, although in those three years your car looked pretty similar in terms of the color and the livery yeah. it was the it was the Rick Kelly HSV dealer team car from o five that was the Buick yeah. everyone will might have forgotten about for China and for Eastern Creek, but before that it had been the Peter Brock Jason Plato Bathurst O four car yeah. so you clearly that? you clearly bought that one knowing that down the track you it, could put it back to a Brock car,
2: yeah. We stuffed up
1: there. We Why? stuffed up. It was a terrible car. I know what was what was so it wrong was with that car. One of
2: the, it was just so hard to set up. It had such a small little window to get right. And because in in development series you're doing only six seven rounds a year, you got limited testing, limited tires, whatever. We just never got our heads around it. We needed a car that we had a bigger window for setup.
1: And because it had a different engine too, from different engine, the 80 degree engine was in the other car, and this was the HMS yeah, engine. Yeah, it was yeah. just.
2: It, and it, that car just never really did anything. It was so hard to drive. One minute it'd be quick, next minute it was like the wind change, and we wouldn't we'd, we'd go backwards. So we really struggled that year. And you're right, we got yeah, maybe, I, I can't remember maybe a few podiums here or there, but I we weren't really a contender. You got, really one, at
1: contender. You got yeah. one at the end of the year, But otherwise, it was a and it was we, a year where the momentum just blew. coming from the
2: year before, where we got quite a few podiums, and we were sort of mixing it with some really good guys like Canto and Luffy and those guys. Um, to the following year, just not doing much mm-hmm. at all. It
1: wasn't a happy time. <laughs> so at this point, though, you're running your own team but yeah. you're still utilising Walkinshaw's for, you know, engines, leasing and, you know, other bits and pieces. But how, how big is your team at this point? Have you got a couple of full-timers or yep. is it all weekend warrior assistants? Or we how, had, we had right? some
2: weekenders but we had full-time guys. So it was basically uh, well, was a very small full-time team.
1: Mm.
2: Um, we had a full-time engineer um, full-time mechanic. Uh, I don't think we had a, I think our business truck driver was doing a bit of both. Um, but it, it was small. Mm. We had a, a dedicated factory for it as well, which we sort of did anyway. Like even when we bought the first car, we obviously had to house it somewhere. Um, uh, but it did get a little bit more serious. And funnily enough, um, Josh Silcock, who's, uh, one of the leading guys at DJR now was my mechanic Back then.
1: <laughs> and
2: he was actually my mechanic when we bought our Formula Ford as well.
1: Oh jeez. Yeah. So he, he can't getting, get away from it. He them. came
2: in he, he come and went a little bit, but in Formula Ford, just to go back a little bit, he used to pick me up from school. So on, I think it was on a Wednesday, you'd have sport in the afternoon. Well what a
1: difficult subject. That well, was.
2: my sport was going car racing. So <laughs> leaving school. Dad would take the truck to Calder. Josh would pick me up in his little Mazda one two one or whatever it was. <laughs> we'd play Justin Timberlake on the way.
1: <laughs> oh, jeez!
2: And we would get down to Calder, and um, Dad will will have already unloaded the former Ford, and then we'd go testing all afternoon.
1: So, so the school knew about this. Yeah, yeah. It counted that, as your were, sport. They
2: were great. They loved in, it.
1: Instead of. No, no, you must be playing AFL footy or no. volleyball or tennis or whatever was going on. No, no, all right, you can toddle off out to call her and yeah. go and drive no, a race. They, they,
2: were, they were really supportive. It was, it was um, and they still are now. Yeah, I still go back to the school and have a chat to the kids. And, you know, I think they they just saw that that's what I wanted to do and they were going
1: to help. It doesn't matter what if, we yeah. say, it's not going to change. No, exactly. The he's going to do, it. He's gonna do is, it If he's going to do it anyway, we may as well get behind it and give it a bit of a push along. Yeah. So 06 is a year that uh, yeah, uh, you did the Enduros for Toll HSV dealer team and yeah. that was part of that big swap around HRT, Toll, trying to protect their championship challenges in Rick Kelly and Garth Tander. Yeah. So you end up with Anthony Tratt in, well, it was 16 but not Garth's regular no, car. No, exactly. It was a, it was a it was spare. Yeah. Which Trattie.
2: S- it was the same spec as what I was racing in development series. Mm. Mm. So it was good in a way that I knew, you know, the car very well, but they didn't let us loose in the in the current cars.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it that was obviously same.
2: for a reason. They kept if you remember car what happened in the race
1: for the Gold Coast, and then Trudy tried to go a bit too fast across the top of the hill and berated yeah. it. Basically. Well,
2: uh, yeah, he did. I mean, he went um, so through the tree as you go up the hill mm. there. He went quicker than what Rick had in qualifying, and didn't make in it in, in the race. Didn't make it out the other end, unfortunately. No. Um, and I remember I was getting my boots on to jump in the car, had the headset on, literally just done my shoelaces up, and then, ah, oh, sorry, guys, I've, I've crashed. Mm. So I can't I kind of remember if I did any stints in that race that year. Um, I think we were out pretty early on. Um, we had a reasonable run at Sandown, though, in that car because back then, Holden Racing Team or Walkinshaw, their motors were just epic.
1: Mm, mm.
2: So going to a place like Sandown – which didn't really rely on too much handling, straight line handling. Yeah, I was
1: going to say the, the bonnet handling. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, we were actually quite quick, quite quick there. And I remember going down down the back straight, passing cars in a straight line.
1: Like up, towing up, yep. pulling out, going by, slotting back in front.
2: Yep. That, that, I mean that's how different supercars was back then. You could never imagine that now.
1: No, you couldn't do it. And actually that very same race is the one that Garth drove with Scaife in and made a slow start, but by lap 10, he was back in the lead and he'd virtually just driven past them. Yeah. Wink up some WPS cars. Like, go and find the video. I think it's on Supercars YouTube. Like, Walkinshaw Motor, just bang, yep. just firing. Well,
2: they, they were the best things to get mm. your hands on.
1: Mm. Yep. Well, and then you got your hands on Rick Kelly's championship winning. So the car that was the sister car to you at Bathurst in 06, that you <clears throat> second, you got your hands on that for 07. And looking back, thinking about this, So that's the first year I did television. So I was calling the Fujitsu series as it was by then known. But I forgot a bunch of things until I sat down before this pod to make a few notes, and it really struck me the similarity. So your two title-winning things have been the development series of 2007 and the TCR title last year. Amazing parallels in how they worked out because both of them, you won without winning... You yeah. won by basically hanging on. You yes. won without a fast car. You won in a stressful situation, looking <laughs> at where do I need to finish and where's the other bloke and all that stuff. But to the last race of each of those years, they were pretty much the same. Yeah, they were. They like were, I mean, the same stress level, or was there one worse than the other? Uh,
2: no, I think, I think the 07 was probably more stressful uh, because we'd done it as a family and I knew what it meant to everybody. Um, that, was, that was a great year though. We got got the other car from, uh, you know, Rick's car. and that, They were
1: all going to VE. So yes. that became available, yeah. And that was a rocket ship. Yeah.
2: Man, that, that was a, a really good car, a car we didn't have to change a lot. But probably one of the biggest things that um, improved my performance that year it was obviously the car, but we also got Glenn Seaton on board.
1: I was going to ask about that. Yeah, I yeah.
2: remember. And, and so Glenn – come to see us at the start of the year or we got in contact with him however it happened and he sat down with myself and my dad and my uncle talking about it all you know what his role could be and he was going to be on the headset for me and you know engineer the car as well obviously he got a huge amount of experience himself and that was all good Uh, we felt as though we needed a bit of help I needed a bit of driver coaching as well Uh, not not so much from driving the car so much more Men, mental management mental mm. uh, aggression emotion be, be more aggressive no or less, calm it back down <laughs> um just trying to be uh, a bit more strategic in what i'm doing and it was funny uh you know glenn spoke with dad and whatever and he said tony can you leave the room i want to chat with your dad privately and i thought they were talking about money mm. you know what's gonna get paid or what's mm. the, con- the conditions whatever and he, he sat down with dad and he said look Tony is, has got enough speed. There's no – I don't have any doubts about that, right? He said, but he needs to work on uh, his aggression. He needs to calm down in the car. And he needs to think about, uh, you know, what position he's in, in the race and whether, you know, to keep pushing or to, you know, just consolidate. Know when to hold, know when yeah. to fold.
1: Yeah. Play a better poker game.
2: And, and that's what made a huge difference to me that year. So obviously we were more competitive, but – He's coaching on the radio and teaching me when to go and when to not just, you know, changed my whole world basically. Mm. So he was a big part of that year. Um, and I, f- I feel like as a team we just got we got better people, we, we learnt more and, you know, we just evolved as a group,
1: you know. And did you start to believe because you roll out. So the first round was at Wakefield Park. Back in those days it was pretty regularly part of the DVS calendar and that's where you won the, the last race and the round. So that's yeah. the breakthrough. So is that when it clicks and you go, I can do this, I, you know, Cedo in our corner, good car, win, I believe. Like this is. Do you actually go, I'm actually on here, this is actually – you know, I thought I was okay before but I'm actually, I am real deal. This is the, the go.
2: That year we went into it to win the championship. Mm. That was our whole focus to put a whole year together to win the championship. Uh, I can't remember having a moment that I thought, you know, we're, we're on here, we're we're right in the hunt, we're going to win it, whatever. The year just sort of evolved. We, we took some opportunities. Uh, I remember Caruso, he was my main competition for the year and he – Jumped into a better car midway through the year.
1: Oh, and that reminds me too. The first round was Adelaide. That's he right. He won yeah. in Adelaide, but I that's think he was right. second. Yes, we were. And the, re- and the Wakefield round was next. Yeah,
2: and he had a shocker there, I think, and we we had a really strong round. Yeah. And I remember winning that race and it was quite easy in the end. You know, I think Luffy, I oh know, Webby. Webby finished second, I think, or Marshall, Marcus Marshall. Marcus Marshall. He was Marshall. doing a
1: one-off for Matty White. He was right with me yep, as well. that's right.
2: Uh, so there's some good dudes in there racing, and at the, the fields time.
1: were big. They were low to mid 30s on plenty of occasions in terms of car count. So yeah. it was it was sort it of was a,
2: a fair bit different to the way it is now. I mean, now you got Super Three in there as well to try and make up the grid. Yeah.
1: But back then, you did but the have the quality huge of the top fields. was good. Yeah, five yeah. to ten, like the top six to ten cars were because there's Jonathan Webb and a Stones car, Dale Woods learning his way for Greg Murphy yeah. racing an old Tasman car. Um, who else? Andrew Thompson's in a DJ arc. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he was quick. Um actually yeah, Tomo was, won a
2: few few races that year he as did. well.
1: Yeah. I yeah. can't
2: remember why he wasn't in contention later in the year, but he was quick all year as well.
1: Yeah. But for you, you win that race in the round at Wakefield, then you belt them at Winton, but then you got shaky. You got real shaky. Mm-hmm. And and I've forgotten about a lot of this. So the Caruso, he's your main Challenger, Ford Rising Stars, the Jim Morton thing in Sydney. Yep. But then midway through that year, if you remember, Team Kiwi were running out of FPR and that deal collapsed. So it ended up that Caruso ended up with a swap of car and got an FPR car. And so that put him technically up to a level with you. And then he went on a bit of a tear eventually, but Oren Park nearly brought you completely undone. Yes. you remember what happened? It was wet. Yep. There's a bit of other stuff going on. What other stuff?
2: Uh, I don't know if we can mention that.
1: Oh, like what?
2: <laughs> what did go on so there? So you
1: won the first race but yeah. you got wiped from the second two results because the wrong final drive ratio was in the car. So you've scored zero for those two races. Yes, So yes. what happened
2: there? Well, I can't actually remember exactly what happened over the weekend itself but I think we had to change diff or something. We had a problem. We changed it and then we had Sunday it was wet. I can't remember where we finished. And,
1: and that would they, have been those two races were on the Sunday and the dry one was on the Saturday from yes. my memory. Yeah. Mm, yeah.
2: So we I remember that we qualified like fifth or something, actually and somehow won the race, got a good start, got through a few at the start, held them off. And then on Sunday, Owen Kelly won both races. From the smoked pit us. Lane. <laughs> yeah, just absolutely smoked us that day. But then I remember um, Cargo screw needed, whatever. I knew nothing about it on the actual weekend, and I remember going to the race team on the Monday or Tuesday. And my engineer Anthony Petherbridge, um, who was like a data engineer for Cedo at the time, and Petho went on and, and did he worked it. at GRM, yeah, actually later with, with Holdsworth, yeah, didn't he? yeah, yeah. And he was like a ghost. He was white, and he 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 could barely tell me what had happened and what was happening, you know. And basically, you know, got stripped down. They found the the diff was wrong.
1: So they'd put a different diff in yep. that wasn't permitted for that track. Exactly. Because they were track specific. You could only run X, you know, 3.25 yep. here or a so it 3. Was, five or a 375 or whatever. It that got
2: was. changed on that Saturday night and it was like a mistake, right? Mm. So Anthony felt so bad and felt responsible for it. Yeah. Because he was the one, oh yeah, put that one in. Yep, all good. Mm. So he was like a ghost. Then we had to present all this data information because obviously everybody wanted to wipe us from the whole weekend. Mm. You know, thinking to prove them.
1: that you didn't have it in for the Saturday. Exactly. So at least she kept that one. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway,
2: we gave him all mm. the data, all that stuff, proved that it was only in there from the Sunday on, and, yeah, we lost those two races, so, which mm. was a big dent in the championship. And at that point there, it was sort of hard not to panic. Mm. Mm. It's pretty hard to keep, you know.
1: Breathe, uh, grasshopper, breathe. Yeah,
2: to <laughs> keep calm. And that's where I go back to Glenn. You know, he's probably had scenarios like that in his career as well, and he... Worked through it with me, you know, and, and really just focuses on the next event. Right, that's done. Can't can't worry about that right now.
1: Let's focus on the next one. Mm-hmm. And the next one, you put on the front row, but you and Maddie White get together at turn one at Bathurst. <laughs> so then this one stings more. And so then oh, you know it's getting shaky. So you remember this... that.
2: So that that was a moment of old TD.
1: Old TD. Came old back, TD did so not listen
2: to Glenn. I, I got an okay start. And Matty White's tried to stick around the outside, I think it was, at turn one, and I'm like, nah, I'm going to run you out of road. So I ran him out of road and broke my steering doing it. Mm. And I remember coming in and Dad was so angry with me, so angry. It was just one of those races where settle for second or whatever, just, just get through. points,
1: points. You're in front of Caruso. You're yeah, in front of the others. Get through the race. Matty White's not in the championship no, even. Like.
2: No. So, yeah, it was getting a bit shaky there, but I think something happened to Caruso in one of the races. He blew a tyre or something happened. That rings
1: a bell. Yeah, I can't remember specific. So it
2: actually in the end, there was not any damage done that weekend whatsoever. Mm. So it worked out okay, but that was a, a missed opportunity. But I remember the qualifying session there. It was a bit red flag, you know, it was affected by um, all these different things going on. And I hadn't actually set a time yet. And there was a, I think it was a red flag, and my guys like come in. we will we well, got to come in anyway, but we'll put a new set of tires on, and we're just gonna have to do one lap at the end. You're gonna have to make it happen. And the guys did probably the, the quickest stop they've ever done. <laughs> I remember them high fiving each other um, after the for stop a session, yeah, for a
1: qualifying session. Yeah,
2: they were so excited because they'd done it so quick. And we used to have these clunky old rattle guns. You know, we didn't want to spend any money because we we didn't have to do pit stops in a race, really. Mm. You know, mm. so we had these. Big rattle guns were never going to fail, right? But you had to use two hands to hold the things. <laughs> and uh, my fitness trainer at the time, Richard, he was on our pit crew and he had massive arms, forearms, you know, like it's a big guy. And he would struggle to hold on to this thing when it was trying to, you know, <laughs> take the wheel nuts off. Anyway, so we do the stop, get out there for one lap and I'm pretty sure we put on pole in that session. You remember? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, I'm pretty, you and, yeah. You and Matty
1: Watt were on the Yeah, so I was right. on the inside. Yeah, so,
2: yeah, yeah, we put on pole it was a last lap, like, yeah. It Pulled was, one out. I, I did pull one out, and the, the team were absolutely stoked. Then I buggered it up in the race. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you live and learn.
1: You do. You do. So you get to the last round at Phillip Island, <laughs> and it's major stress because Caruso's fast and basically dominating. Yep. And you're not. There's no pace there. You're just not in, you're not a race winning factor. So you're hanging in there. I think you and Dale Wood got together in the first race, if memory serves. No, I remember. What happened? <laughs>
2: So Woody is I having... I had to ask
1: him about this on the pod earlier. That Woody I, was
2: having a battle with Webby mm-hmm. and they, they, were, they were quite fiesty.
1: This is a few rounds after Woody has blasted Ross Stone not knowing who he is. Right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, so Woody's having this spirited battle with Webby and obviously not in the championship, doesn't matter. He had a couple of offs and rejoining. Then there was contact at Siberia. And Woody's gone off the track and I'm sitting behind them trying not to get involved in the whole thing. They've gone off the track and I'm like picking up the pieces so I sort of drive past. And as Woody's re-entering the circuit, he clips my back wheel and sends me into the fence, like sent me into the fence. i like hit both ends. So I've got a lot of damage and I'm sitting there and everyone in the pits thought our day was done. They were you know, basically packing up, ready to go. And it was that desperation stage where I just grabbed a gear and just nailed it and drove it out of the gravel trap, drove it back on the track. One hundred percent. That's that's when old (laughs) Tony was like, he was welcome that day. And I basically skull dragged this thing to the finish line. I don't know how we didn't get black flag because the rear bar was hanging off, the wing was all you know different uh, dimensions it should have been. Um, There was quite a lot of damage to the to the car. Anyway, we got to the end. I don't know where we finished, but it was enough to. Gather points and still be in the hunt. And I remember, even though I thought Woody was at fault, to be honest, and I wasn't happy about it because I was in the championship hunt. I remember Mm. going to see Dale, but not to confront him, but to make friends with him.
1: Because you thought you might need him for tomorrow. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So smart. I didn't. Smart Tony comes out here.
2: (laughs) I, I didn't. I purposely didn't. You Aggra- wanted to, though. I didn't aggravate the situation because I knew, man, I, I yeah. need all the friends I can get out here I don't, yeah. and it's done now, right? Mm. So I went and saw him and, you know, he was explaining what happened and, you know, he, did, he didn't mean it, whatever, just one of those things. And, you know, we were, it was all good, moved on. We repaired the car overnight. It was pretty stressful because you don't get a practice session, you know, before the the final race. No. so. We got people there all night going over this car making sure that we haven't missed anything, everything's perfect, you know, so the next day we're not going to have a mechanical. Mm. And at that time, uh, Eric Pender was at um, HSV. It
1: was Rick Kelly's engineer. Yeah. Mm.
2: So he'd worked with that car the year before and they were feeding his information during that weekend. I don't think they were having a massively strong weekend either. So they might have, they might have been uh, having a better weekend than what we were, but they were feeding us information about you know what what we should do to the car, and he was really helpful. Eric, like uh, just a genuine guy, one of the best guys in pit lane, helped me so much in during that period. Um, and we made the car reasonably good for the day, the the Sunday. Not amazing, I think we finished fifth in the race, and it was by one point mm. won the championship. Mm. And I remember having. Zakanovic behind me, yeah, and he was in a Walkinshaw car as well, and he basically played tail gun for me. Was that teed
1: I remember I was going to ask you about him playing rear gunner, but I don't know was if it was that
2: up. But it was he was being nice. Right, he looked after me because he probably could have had a lunge, and I, there was someone behind him as well that was giving him grief, and he basically made it really difficult for them just gave me enough gap to do what I had to do without having to take too much risk and we got the job done. So you do sometimes have friends out there See, and I've got to, it comes in, comes in Andy.
1: You've, you've got to know when, uh, we said before, you've got to know when to hold them and fold them and you know who you got it friendly with and not friendly with. I've got a memory from the gala dinner on the Monday night in Melbourne. Oh, shit. It's okay. Okay. It's, nothing bad. That Marcus was there. Yeah, and I've got a funny feeling. He told me he was there because he was a guest of you. Oh, I don't know. Do you reckon you took him as a date to the gala dinner (laughs) to thank him? Probably deserved to be being your rear gunner. I I
2: actually can't remember that. That might be true. (laughs) I I vividly remember. Unless Dad maybe, or unless it was
1: a great story he told. Now
2: maybe like you know, Dad or somebody gave him a ticket for the night just to uh, look after him. I don't know. Good investment. He he definitely helped that day. Good investment. Italians, you know, we stick together. You know, you know.
1: (laughs) So 2008 is the move into the main game. So you've done your time in the development series as a team and as a driver and as a family, but you've stitched together a deal with – because getting a franchise is always the big hard element. Oh, yeah. And that's skin in the game. And so what you had done as a family had – instead of just spending your money with a race team for you to go and drive for a year – you bought, you bought assets. You had race yep. cars and equipment. And the, that other asset that you really need as a supercar team was a license because it's your slice of the pie that pays you the money yep. out of the television rights and and, and the category and, and the company. So you couldn't get one of those though. But Rod Nash had one yep. and had run a car that you had co-driven with Steve on the Autobahn car at Bathurst and in the year before. And I think you finished sixth, I think, from yeah. memory, yep. at Bathurst. So your stocks were... Well good. Yes. You won the title in development series. You had a great run at Bathurst in the older model, V Z, because it wasn't. Yeah, that a later was a car. Paul Morris
2: car that was. was
1: Colin was its name. Colin. And I remember
2: Oscar Ferronotto. He, he, w- he was our engineer at the time.
1: He was. He was but that
2: that was um just to touch on that quickly, that that was the year that it rained up the top of the mountain. Mm. And Scaife and Richards and Brighty and I think every, everyone went in the fence.
1: Engel, yeah, Scave, Bright, Ingle, all them. Maybe top not of the Richards, Hill, but yeah. yeah.
2: Um so we picked up a few spots there, but Steve drove like an absolute animal in those wet, dry conditions. Mm. And because that car was a little bit older, I swear that thing was softer than everything else out there. Probably was. As soon as it rained, the thing just took off. Mm. It was like a di- like in the dry. We didn't have any motor. We didn't have any pace, right? And I remember my DVS car was so much faster <laughs> than than that car. And we we joked about changing the panels for sunday <laughs> so we had something to fight with um but that car when it rained it just like came into its own and steve was at his top of his game like steve owen at it's probably that one of the time, most
1: unrated drivers in supercar history yeah
2: yeah well a lot of history with steve because i remember in formula ford um he took me out one time and uh it wasn't happy happy at that stage, um, but I knew him back from go-karting and there was family, friends and all sorts of stuff. So we had a bit of history, but um, he was at the top of his game then and he drove that car well outside what it was, you know, designed to do. So, you know, kudos to him mm. back then. But, yeah, we had that relationship with Rod and that sort of grew into 2008 where we we were happy to buy a car and but we, we couldn't do everything in one go. And, you know, as you said, licenses weren't easy to come by. So it was just a great opportunity for everybody, you know, riding as well to, you know, link up and, you know, start that journey Mm. my first year in in full-time supercars. and And back then, I sound really old when I say that, but (laughs) you could, the money you would get from the license would fund a lot of your year.
1: So as a single car standalone team, you yep. weren't needing to find a sponsor that had two million dollars. No. You, you, your your license franchise money was probably just about your best sponsor.
2: It was. Mm. It was our biggest sponsor. More than the Bottolo. Yeah, I mean Bottolo was good. I mean that was Rod's sponsor. Yeah, and that was part of the deal. It was going to be on the doors of the car, but we would get the uh, appearance money. Yeah, the television yep. money and all that stuff. Yeah, and I think at the time that was about nine hundred thousand. Yeah, like huge money. Yeah, when our racing budget for that year might have been one and a half.
1: Yeah, so yeah, you know, we, we were yeah. a sim
2: car team. We weren't doing it like HRT, or whatever. Mm. But you could still run a really good show for one and a half. So you got nine hundred out of the category. We got our bottle of money as well, and I remember we had Holden money as mm. well. So we had Holden on the windscreen banners, and that was two hundred and fifty grand. Mm. So it just it made sense,
1: and a few little ones here and there along the way, and. It, yeah. it
2: made absolute sense. It was like a no no brainer to get involved, and we weren't out of pocket.
1: Mm, mm. And Cito was part of that initially, yep. and then that unravelled during the year because he was going to co drive with yes. you for Bathurst, and that's the Bathurst he missed from way back in the mid eighties through to when he finished with Bugs. That was the one he missed. So what? Because didn't he drive? He, I remember him driving that car somewhere. He drove like it. Tassie co driver session, I think, uh, Well, clearly testing. He probably. He, de- did, he
2: definitely too. did not testing. Um, but there's a little bit of unha- unha- unhappiness, which was a shame. Mm. It, it, it was a shame because I really wanted to do it with Glenn, you know, because of the su- success we'd had the year before. I really wanted to go and do, uh, you know, as our f- first team as on a 1,000, I wanted to do it with Glenn. Um, but in the end, like we ended up getting bugs.
1: Yeah, because WPS had fallen over at the start of the year and he was suddenly probably number one draft pick out there that was on the market
2: he was 100% number one draft pick. You know, he, he was sharp. He was, he, he was basically just as quick as anyone uh, full-time, any full-time driver at the time. Hadn't been out of the seat for very long at all and he just fitted in so well. He was fast. We had, um, you know, a, a really good pairing there, even though I was still pretty new to it all. And I can tell you that jump from, you know, development series to main game, you might look like a hero in development series. Jumping Doesn't into the main mean anything. Game. Oh my god, they mm. they rough you up, they they you know set the tone very early on, and they belt you around.
1: So did Angry Tony have to make a comeback here? Oh, he probably did a few times.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember my first uh, practice session at Adelaide. Like James Courtney hit me that hard going to turn four just because I was in his way,
1: mm.
2: you know, because he was on a lap. I was probably on a lap too, but not going quite as fast, and he just. Drilled me off. I went, see ya, mate. No, sorry, you know, no nothing. It was just like he was showing his boss. Mm. And it takes a bit of time to sort of, you know, gain mm. that respect. Uh, but come Bathurst time, you know, we had a good car, you know, good teammate in bugs had a good team. You know, we were going really well, really well. I think we we're in the top five until yeah. I had a shunt later in the
1: race. It's like a couple laps to go. A couple laps two. to go.
2: So someone had been in the fence at turn two. And there was water across the circuit.
1: Coming out of the tyre bundles. Coming out
2: of the tyre bundles. And there was also, as most of the drivers will know, later in the day you get the glare coming from sort of turn three down as you sort of exit turn two, it's right in your eyes. And I came through there and on that particular lap I must have been a little bit wider than the lap before, hit the water, spun the car and made contact with the front right wheel
1: on the wall. On the inside wall?
2: Yeah, no, on the outside wall. Oh, right. So I spun around broke the steering they done mm. so that was like literally with a couple laps to go i remember will davison like coming at me he was in the djr car and he's chasing me down and he'd had an off at turn one so I'd, I'd got a bit more of a gap and i thought oh if i keep pushing like crazy you know we might be right here and you know i think he probably would have got to me still but i was driving out of my skin I was driving so hard to try and finish the job off. End of the day, tired, you know, all these sorts of things. You know, the, the, the sun in your eyes made a mistake as a young bloke, crashed, right? Fans. It happens. Mm. It happens. And we're in a really good spot. Obviously, I was pushing like crazy. You know, these things happen. So it, it, it was a bit of a, a sorry end to what, we, what was a really
1: strong day for the team. Mm. Uh, but these uh, things happen. That's true. This is life. So, Andrew Thompson drives the next year because yep. Glenn doesn't. Then you get your own franchise, and it was Tasman because Tasman closed, wasn't it? Yep. Sprintcast team. So, a bit of irony in how that all spins out. You end up with a franchise from the team that you made your main game um, debut with. Now, was there any sniff along the way here to go? Oh, we should park our thing in at Walkinshaws or in somewhere still take our licence money like Rod Nash had previously done and you were run the car, or is this we're going our own way, we are still going our own way, we are doing it, we are doing it?
2: I don't think there was, any,
1: there was the opportunity was there at Walkinshaw Well, because they to went do to that. Forecast, didn't yeah, they? I don't, Two I don't, Bundys as well.
2: Exactly. That's when Tomo went.
1: Across. Oh, and they'd, they'd had a Bundy and an Autobahn the year before with yeah. Reynolds.
2: And I I can't remember there being that opportunity or that discussion about us doing that. Um, there was a, there was other opportunities, you know. There was there do was, tell. This
1: is the podcast for it.
2: <laughs> I mean, I know there was times when you know we spoke with Webby about running a two car operation. Dumbrell spoke to us a few times about running you know as a two car team because we would we would often pit together. You mm. know, it's two single car teams pit together. Should we go together? Well, maybe not. Probably not. Like it just never really eventuated, and we we sort of investigated going having another licence, you know, all these other opportunities or ways to make it work. Mm. But as the time went on, like the financial side of it just got unbearable.
1: Mm. Like, so was it putting pressure on the business? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: The, the business itself was was hurting a bit anyway because uh, HSV was, you know, pulling back, you know, <laughs> It wasn't as big as what it was. Uh, Manufacturing Australia was shutting down. So our business was hurting and um, it it sort of just got to the point where we had to make a decision and I'm probably jumping ahead there Hmm. but the, the money you were getting from the category was getting so minuscule. Like I remember the last year that we did it, we got like 40 grand. Mm. They've gone from almost a million dollars. The
1: TV deal that was done hurriedly for the last two years before the or three years or whatever it was before the jump to Fox, there were no takers. Seven was it, and basically the money that came in from them paid for the production, but there was no cream. No, and it put a lot lot of pressure
2: on the teams. Mm. So yeah, it it put a lot of pressure on sponsorship. so in the end, we just we uh, we couldn't justify it anymore. Mm. As I was saying before, when we first went into it, it's quite easy to justify. It's a good investment, really. Yeah. It, yeah, as far as motorsport goes. Yeah, in the end, it was like, wow, this is getting not a good investment. Not anymore. a good investment. Uh, Every Christmas you're struggling to find a sponsor and it's stressful. Are we going racing next year? Are we not? Should we put someone in the car, a paid driver, just to keep things
1: happening? We've got to get our entry in by a certain point exactly. and a commitment to the, run the, our the franchise. Pressure, yeah. The pressure yeah.
2: of that plus business not so good, it was a bit of a, a boiling mm. pot mm. at that time. And, yeah, we end up having to make a
1: call on it. So before we got to that point, we'll yep. come back. You jump sides. yep. So from being a Holden family, <laughs> Commodores, it's all you're driven in supercars, family with dealership interests, HSV and Holden paint deals over the years. And then in 2011, you ter- well, you, you did run your Commodore actually to start the year before you yeah, could get, couldn't get one. a Falcon from FPR. What led to that? And from my memory it led to a bit of internal. Was there some, you know, in, in family land there must have been some of these guys' oh, uncles looked- saying, no, no, we've got to drive Holdens.
2: Oh, look, I think... As a family, they they made the decision together. It probably wasn't what everybody wanted because we were so ingrained in Holden. But we needed to look at it from a racing point of view and we felt that going the Tickford way with, uh, or FPR, um, was a better opportunity for me, better car, better support. We were sort of running as a fourth car for them. Although we were still running our own team, we pitted with the whole group. We were able to piggyback off all the data, and you know, it, we did all our debriefs together. It just made more sense for us to do it that way. Yeah. From a family point of view, and and this is where it gets a bit tricky, um, you know, when you mix business and family and mm. racing, what's mm. those sort of stuff? We're selling Holden's during the week, <laughs> but we're racing a Ford on the weekends. That and Ford are sponsoring us. You know, they mm. they're they're financially contributing to it. It just was a really weird mix and it probably, you know, put a lot of pressure on, especially my uncle who was running the dealerships, he'd probably get a bit of curry from customers <laughs> or fans <laughs> or whatever, but it was just a necessary thing at that time. We just felt that was the best path for us and I think it was value, It was a valuable um, path for us to go down.
1: Mm. It was the Hyflex car from memory.
2: It, uh, it was uh, w- Wilson
1: Security. The first year, yeah. Yep.
2: And then the next year was, and, and funnily enough, it was a Wilson security car that year. And we ran a, the, our Commodore for David Wall under Wilson security as well.
1: In the development series. In the development series. Yep.
2: So that was w- really weird thinking about it now because I raced. See you 10 years or so David, on <laughs> Who's like the team boss. Whereas it was, the roles were reversed back then.
1: Motorsport's <laughs> a small world and you never know where you're going to end up down the track. So um, have good relationships is, yeah. is probably the way to go. And that's where we're going to leave, part one of my chat with Tony Delberto. So we've gone through Young Lions, we've gone through uh, TDR, Tony Delberto Racing that is, uh, all the way through now to the Ford period, and we're about to get into some car of the future action, right at the point where he and TDR are about to embark on their last season in Supercars Championship Racing. There's still plenty of chat, lots of topics, lots of stuff we cover in part two. The National Motor Racing Museum, Couch Racer questions. Uh, we cover the heartache of his first supercars podium, in a story I don't think he's told before. and It's certainly got a very personal touch to it uh, that really did uh, put into perspective the highs and lows of motorsport and life on that day on the Gold Coast back in 2014. We talk about that amazing period that he's had with DJR Team Penske and now, of course, with DJR and his time in TCR, where he's become a champion aboard the Honda Civic Type R. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Go through the back catalogue to listen to some of the previous episodes. In the meantime, as you wait for the next step, I'll be back next week with part two of Tony Delberto on the V8 Sleuth Podcast. Chat with you then. Thanks for listening.
0: We'll see you next time. Every lap in under a minute, every move made to matter, every decision impacting the outcome of the race. Supercars in Perth, every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint, May 17 to 19. Book now at Attack. Supercars, unforgettable.